0: Welcome to this podcast recording from the d 2022 Conference on Regeneron and Novartis on Innovating to Accommodate Growing Pipelines. The d Conference is produced by the Conference Forum. For more information, please visit theconferenceforum.org. Enjoy the podcast recording from d 2022.
1: So thank you. I'm really thrilled to be here to talk about modernizing clinical trials. But I want to quickly introduce my panel, and they'll introduce themselves when they come up very quickly. But before introducing them, I have to say that in order to have a really good panel to talk about innovation, you have to have some innovative spirit. And I have a quick, quick story about Henry Way, who I'll introduce uh, right now. Henry works at Regeneron, and day one, it was during the pandemic, and I turned on teams, and there was Henry wearing, in fact, the shirt, I think the shirt he's wearing today, maybe the same in a different color. It has Regeneron. Uh, on the on the right side and I said Henry I didn't realize that during the pandemic we gave out swag where'd you get that I like the shirt and he turned to me and he said no we didn't give out swag I made this so he made his own shirt to show up at Regeneron in a uniform to really uh, align with the rest of us and I thought wow that's just really the right thinking for someone to come in and lead innovation so Henry please join us to uh, talk about (laughs) modernizing clinical trials I also want to introduce Bill Illis from Novartis. Bill, please come up, and you'll quickly introduce yourselves once you get up. And Renault Alage from Regeneron as well. So, if you wouldn't mind, quickly, Renault, if you can introduce yourselves, tell everyone who you are, and then we'll get started. Um, and Thank go you.
2: Uh, Renault Alage, uh, Head of the Clinical Outcome Assessment and Digital Biomarkers at Regeneron.
3: Good afternoon, everybody. Bill Illis. I work at Novartis in global drug development, the analytics line function there. But here today, I'm also seconded part time to Transcelerate, where I'm the work stream lead for a project called Digital Data Flow, and that's more relevant to what I'm talking about today.
0: Hi, and I'm Henry Wei. I head development innovation at Regeneron.
1: So today we're going to talk for 30 minutes. It's going to be really quick, as it was mentioned previously, uh, around monetization from a study sponsor perspective. How do we monetize our clinical trials? How do we innovate? And importantly, with a holistic approach to sites, patients, and sponsors, so that we're all benefiting from the work that we do. I'll actually go sit down and join the panel. So... In doing this, one of the things that we looked at and thought about was how do we we approach this from different angles, the sponsor angle, the patient angle, the site angle. And we'll start with Bill to um, tell us about the key driver from a sponsor perspective.
3: Great, thanks Barry. So I wanna talk about the digital data flow project at Transcelerate, which is, I think most of you know here, Transcelerate is a sponsor driven organization with 20 of the large pharma companies. As members and the angle we're coming into on digitization and modernization is maybe a bit different from what you're hearing at a lot of this conference it's not about (coughs) sorry excuse me digital devices um, wearables DCT's what we're what we're talking about is digital protocols (coughs) and how to standardize a digital protocol for the industry to create interoperability and our, our goal in that is to enable automation to downstream systems that use protocol information and also to open up a basis for analytics based on st- structured study design information. So our whole project is about creating an industry standard for digital protocols and technology that will enable the exchange and use of that data as a foundation for innovation and modernizing of our clinical trial space. We're trying to do this also, and I'll talk more uh, bit more about this later, in an open source, and open project where we're inviting many stakeholders to participate and engage in how we can make this a better place for the industry to use modern digital machine-readable protocols. Next slide. And just very simply, I'll, I'll talk about, um, you know, what we're doing. So on the, on the left-hand side... The picture today, I think everybody probably understands this, a protocol gets written on a PDF file, a couple hundred pages, goes through its review and approval process, and then gets sent around to the many functions that are responsible for operator executing the trial. And typically what they have to do is look at certain sections of the protocol, open it up to a schedule of activities, look at the eligibility criteria, objectives and endpoints, et cetera, and type that information into their own systems to configure those systems to run the trial. So you can think about EDC systems, CTMS systems, DCTs, IRTs, drug supply, even EHR systems. And so fundamentally, what we're trying to do is solve that problem and say, how can we structure the information so that it can be flowed into the relevant consuming systems? And what we've done over the past um, nine months and we released our first version earlier this year. We've worked with CDISC to develop a new protocol data standard called the USDM, Unified Study Definitions Model, Associated API Specifications, and Control Terminology, and then we've worked with a couple technology partners to actually implement that data standard in a database that we call the study definitions repository with a set of APIs for the exchange of that data. And the whole project is, is organized to build a foundation between systems that would produce digital protocol information and the many systems that would consume it. And so we're about that interoperability and achieving an industry-wide foundation to provide for that interoperability. Can go into.
1: Bill there's there's so many things we could talk about relative to digital data flow you're highlighting the study protocol digitization but ultimately there're so many other aspects whether it's EHR to EDC or even you know just how we're designing our trials to enable them for for decentralization and ways in which we can automate things that previously we didn't automate how did you determine that the path of digital data flow was the one to go down and and that w- how important it was
3: yeah thanks Barry great great question i mean i think we started out really from a, a user experience perspective in the sponsor sites what, not in the spo- in the sponsor organizations what are we what are people experiencing when they have to design a study, write that down in a document, pass that to departments that execute the study what 's the user experience end to end, and how can we simplify that? Part of it was also a pretty basic insight that many of us Transcelerate members, Novartis included, we're kind of working on this problem on our own in our own organizations. And if we're developing our own protocol data model and our own digitization and Regeneron's doing it and many other companies are doing it, what are we gonna end up with for the industry? We're gonna end up with 25 different ways of digitizing a protocol and we'll lose out on the opportunities for exchange outside of our organizations. If we partner with another pharma company and co-develop a, a product or co, co-sponsor a study, if we're using CROs, how do we pass that information to CROs? Also, The FDA is also interested in, in receiving potentially a digital version of a clinical protocol for import into their own system. So there was a lot of user experience um, analysis that went into it, from a sponsor perspective primarily, but also starting extending to sites and health authorities and other stakeholders.
1: So Bill, you think we prepared for this because you just mentioned user experience. And actually, I'm gonna go to Renault to talk a little bit about um, the the site and and patient aspect of innovation and what we need to know about with regard to designing our trials, managing decentralization of of the efforts on trials, and all the things that we think are innovative that we wanna incorporate what does it mean to the patient and the site, and how do we evolve that in a way that's really meaningful to them? And so, Renault, I know you've done some research, uh, user experience research. Tell us about it.
2: Yep. Thank you, Barry. And as Bill alluded, uh, we have to make sure that we invest, as we modernize clinical trials, in capturing, including, and involving those that we serve patients and, and those that run our trials sites. Uh, site user experience research, it's one of the first steps for us to zero in on the feedback from all end users to understand the technology, protocol, how intuitive it is, how easy it is to use, and how does it fit within context of World War setting. An example of that we have here, uh, site DCT, DCT user experience research, where we our goal was to determine overall mental model and perception pertaining to DCT, technology adoption, and overall expectations from sites as covid reportedly has increased the adoption of DCT. Uh, the survey included 141 participants, uh, mostly principal investigator and site coordinators. And some of the key findings, uh, 25%, only 25% of those that participated have conducted DCT trials within past six months, which the data is a bit different from what we see overall you know, perception with, on the sponsor sites. However, the good the, uh, the, within the next six months, sixty percent of those that we have surveyed are confident that we'll be ready to to uh, to support remote decentralized trials from uh, additionally, our team did a thematic analysis research where we looked at top risks uh, top risks from the sites and um, thirty the top Reported risks from the sites were basically site burden, trust security, and uh, site support. But overall, in general, from user experience research, we have to start listening to our sites. We have to work together with them to engage them to support and drive this modernization within clinical trials. So the bottom line is we have to engage more, work closely with the sites, listen to their concerns, risks, and work together to adopt for modernized clinical trials.
1: So I think the user experience is a little different sometimes than what we always hear. And and that actually is really important when we talk about digital biomarkers. So some of the work that, that we've also done at Regeneron, and so as you can see, the discussion today is broad. We're looking at all the ways in which trials are, you know, have the ability to be modernized, but every one of them has some of the the opportunities and risks that we need to think about. And so when we think about digital biomarkers, um, this list here that Renault has on the slide gives us so many opportunities to really get data that we had never gotten before, but it's really critical that we think about what these digital endpoints mean when we're designing a trial and also what it means to the patient when you're actually capturing this information. So tell us a little bit about that, Renault.
2: So yeah, when we think of traditional clinical trials and the endpoints that we collect. It includes patient-reported outcome, clinician-reported outcomes, and clinic visits where these measurements are subjective and requires patient frequent visit to the site and doesn't really reflect real-world assessment of how patients function and feel. When we think of a digital biomarker, unlike traditional endpoints, it is a measurement of physiological functions measured through non-invasive wearable devices and other digital technologies and sensors that we carry, that are installed in different things that we carry and wear, such as eyeglasses, wristwatches, shoe insoles, and so on. And these specific, objective, quantitative measure do provide a lot of opportunity that traditional endpoints do not. For example, it might provide an opportunity to detect pharmacologic effects of an investigational product in early phase clinical studies it will provide us a better understanding of patients physiological processes and treatment effect not to mention even better through passive remote monitoring we're enabling real time data real time data monitoring which will give us an access on how patient functions and fields in real world setting so when you combine together all of this with higher frequency of measurement and higher, lower variability, we can assume and are confident that this will reduce the sample size required for us to detect treatment effect. And this alone, on its own, it's a huge benefit in comparison to traditional methods. Uh, With regards, when it comes to how do we select the devices within the clinical trials, at Regeneron, specifically, we start sort of with the scientific need first. For every program, we look at what are the scientific needs, unmet needs that traditional endpoints cannot measure. Once we define that, only then we start the validation process. And the validation process includes verification, analytical, clinical validation of the endpoint, including usability. So we don't start with a device or a technology. Instead, we start with an endpoint. Once that is defined, then the device selection is part of the journey. So that's one of the ways um, we can be successful in further adoption of digital biomarkers within our studies.
1: So I, I've always said that, you know, designing your child up front can actually help us with how we're really looking at um, whether it's digital endpoints, decentralized ways of working, e-consent, all of those things that will help us um, to automate some of the experience, to get better data, to help and facilitate the work that we do as sponsors, the work that our sites do, to enroll patients, and and really to make our patients feel better at the end of the day. Henry, you know, I guess the the question that I have um, is, do you think that all of these solutions are kind of the panacea to better drug development?
0: Briefly, yes. No, um, but I think uh, more sincerely, uh, actually, these have a lot of potential. Technically, we need a basket trial to answer that. That was kind of a joke, but I sense nobody got that. Um, but no, I think more specifically, you're probably noticing a theme here, which is if you go to the humans in the equation, we can actually figure out at least not necessarily what the panacea might be, but what the problem is we need to solve is. So here's another look at that in terms of broadly speaking, modernized elements of trials, but also decentralized trials. Well, how might each one of these remote elements uh, contribute to the willingness to participate? I'm gonna go through these results briefly, not go through all of them, but also you all have the power to do this. Basically, you spent less than 200 bucks getting these results over the course of less than a week. You're all well capable of understanding users directly. Even if you don't know how to do it now, you can learn. This one says it's not one size fits all. Basically, a lot of folks actually like decentralization. A lot of folks don't, and that's okay. We need to preserve optionality. But the other element of surveys like this, when you go directly to humans, to patients, to caregivers maybe, is how much is it worth relative to something else? Say, I don't know, 50 bucks per visit or about a thousand bucks per year? How much would that be relative to being able to have some of these things happen at home. And you can see there, that's about the magnitude for those who are interested in adopting these decentralized elements of trials. Now, we can go into some detail, but this gives you a shot at saying, yeah, there's a a lot of complexity to it. We can actually reduce that complexity with real data and use that to prioritize how we're going about finding solutions.
1: Thanks, Henry. I guess the, the kind of secondary question to that, though, is... Some of this then could be innovation for innovation's sake. How do you make sure that what we're doing is impactful?
0: All right, so this, again, you're probably noticing there's a thing amongst these disparate topics, which is we go and really rely upon data where we can get it and not just feelings or emotions or intuition. And one of the challenges of data and not innovating for innovation's sake is making sure that we have the right data. Is anyone familiar with this diagram? like from World War II research? Okay, this was one of the milestone moments in operations research, where during World War II, a group of statisticians from Columbia realized that they were about to go and put armor on where the bullet holes were on planes. And if you're looking at some of the data you might see at this very conference, you might be seeing statisticians who are only looking at the bullet holes on planes and not realizing that the planes that never came back, or maybe the patients that never enrolled in our trials aren't represented in those data sets. So when we talk about inclusion, think about the inclusion in the very data that we're looking at. In addition to participation in trials, what are the problems we're trying to overcome and are those underrepresented voices, perspectives represented in those data sets as well? This is one of the opportunities, the great opportunities we have to actually provide a more complete data perspective as we approach these types of innovation problems, again, not just for innovation's sake, but to make sure we're focused on the right data set to help us solve that, especially for the screen failure rate that we might be facing.
1: Thank you. So I think, you know, what that says to me, really, is that we have a lot of opportunity, that it's not just about the innovations that we're creating, but it's also about the patient experience, about the site experience, about the sponsor experience. I would argue um, from the sponsor side that, you know, working just even for this discussion with Bill and my colleagues at Regeneron, we always realize how important it is to think as a collective for this kind of brainstorming amongst companies. And I think that's where Transcelerate brought us together. But ultimately, there's so many other opportunities where we're all struggling with some of the same issues. So it really makes sense, especially as we're thinking about innovation, whether it's uh, the sponsors, the vendors, all of us to really think about using some of this data that is informative, but also can help us drive to some of the right solutions. So I guess as we, you know, are rounding out some of the discussion, um, Renault, what are, what are some of the uni- unifying themes for moder- modernization? We talked about a lot of things really fast. That's just how we roll. But I think the, you know, there's a lot that can be said about, you know, modernization and trials and, and what we can expect next.
2: So yeah, I'll, uh... As we modernize, we are shifting for a change. And I think this change, we have to be careful what the change is. And it is important and critical that we listen to our sites and patients. So th- through this change, incorporate design thinking methodologies, user experience research. Let's find out what the change is and then build towards a change. Uh, so that's, that's uh unifying theme number one. And then with regards to the digital biomarker, I think there's a huge opportunity for us as an industry to embrace this new wave of enhancements within technology and incorporate digital biomarkers so we can better understand our patients within our clinical trials.
1: Phil, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Uh,
3: what I would add to that is, and, and related to the digital data flow project at Transcelerate is get engaged is a unifying theme collaborate with us. So I, I mentioned we're, we're running our project as an open source project and all our assets are available on GitHub. The slide that passed by earlier today with the QR code actually takes you to our GitHub site, but you can easily search for it as well and find it. Everything's available. It's freely downloadable under an open source license. We're also asking people, um, anybody, stakeholders who have an interest in digital protocols to start working with us. We Coincidentally, we, yesterday we kicked off a virtual connect-a-thon event, and we have 100 organizations, over 100 organizations that registered for the event. Many of um, the organizations that you're representing today are involved. Um, But we need deep engagement from not just sponsors, but also technology vendors, solutions providers, Anybody that has any interest in producing a digital protocol or consuming information from a protocol in a machine-readable digital way, there's an opportunity to get engaged. And I would say as a unifying theme for future advancing our industry and modernizing and digitizing, I mean, why are we working in 2020 with huge paper, complex paper documents that can't be read by any other systems? I would say it's because we haven't worked together on a solution, and so now is the opportunity to work together on a solution to bring us further towards this modernization that we're having lots of fun these days talking about.
1: Henry, what are your thoughts? Uh,
0: trying to unify these themes that we've heard for modernization um, in all sincerity. Um, look, I've had the privilege Uh, of being able to work for some amazing organizations, including Regeneron right now, but I previously worked for Google, and one saying that they had was focus on the user and all else will follow. Modernization, particularly when we apply technology, is an art more than a science of focusing in on the human beings, the people, what are the problems they really are suffering through, and how do we actually solve it? If you go and look at any of the big tech firms, they're not laying down a single line of code until they precisely define the problem, support it with data, understand the nuances of all the different mechanisms of action. The same way that our colleagues in preclinical research are working out the molecules, so too are they working on every single nuance of how humans solve this problem in all their different unique variations. So if anything, between these themes, they might seem disparate, if they're intensely human-focused. They're people-focused approaches to modernization where the technology then serves those problems we then identify. To summarize, focus on the humans and all else will follow.
1: So this morning, Malcolm Gladwell, for those of you who were at the discuss- the, the talk that he gave, did, it, I thought, a, a very inspiring um, talk about a sense of urgency. And actually, you know, one of the things that I took away was something that uh, you know I've thought about over the years that I've been in this industry. We don't always have a sense of urgency. We try to follow the science. We try to think about the, the unique needs of patients and, and how to write a great protocol. We're very much in this, the, the theme of innovation. I think post-pandemic, we've got momentum. How do we capitalize on the momentum that we've seen in innovation over the last few years? And, and really push it forward with a sense of urgency. Henry, I'll, st- I'll, I'll go the other way t- now. I'll start with you.
0: Well, I'll push back a little bit on what Gladwell said this morning. It's urgency, but it's courage. He d- I guess he did go into how the... the um...
1: Only you are gonna challenge Malcolm Gladwell.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, fair enough, but <laughs> it's courage, and whether or not, you know, I, I don't know that Apple was courageous of changing the USB but they said it was courageous. But it does take courage, and that's really the opposite of risk averseness. It's not being risk prone, it's having the courage to be able to to move forward. Part of that is urgency, but it really is more intrinsic than that. Do we have the courage, and are we able to impart that courage upon to others?
1: that's very profound. Bill, what are your thoughts?
3: What I I would add to that is when one of the models we're using in the digital data flow project is to move quickly, to prototype, to experiment. And I would, you know, summarize that as saying action creates information. So we've got a bias for action to do something, try something, and then gain gain the feedback from that, understand what worked, what didn't work, and keep going and keep going over and over again. So I really summarize it as, as saying, you know, Have a bias for action and think about the way that action creates information that's useful to you in modernizing.
2: Yes, I think the the first step also to encourage speed, you have to have the organizational structure that awards actually not just results, but the effort. And once you have that and you're not failed of risk and you learn from the risk, then and only then you will see speed within uh, within innovation, and, and, and I can see that within our digital biomarker, for example, that digital biomarker work that we do within our lab, we don't focus a lot on the, res- the end result. It is the journey on how we get there and award speed and take and, and also reward the failure, learn from those, and apply it into the next phase of the project. So it's more of senti- setting the mental model on rewarding the, the progress and the approach versus the results.
1: So I'll weigh in here too. I think you know my takeaway was something that we think about a lot at Regeneron, with regard to how do we not, you know, how do we keep growing? How do we produce more molecules, bring more medicines to patients, and also remain nimble, and have that sense of urgency? And part of that uh, has been really trying to, I say, keep things simple. They're not always so simple, but we try to look at what's really important, and we really try to have infrastructure and process where we need it. But to actually have some disregard for that as well, where it where it makes sense. And I think that helps us to really move things forward without being hindered by some of the bureaucracy or or you know time constraints that can plague many companies. Um, I think the the need to be nimble in moving innovation forward it, it can't be dismissed. I think it's something that every every individual at a whether you're at a company, at a vendor, at a site, has to be thinking about, because these are the things I think that will get us to the next st- the next state. It w- it's coming. This industry has evolved slowly, very slowly over many years, but I think we, we really have the momentum that I saw during the pandemic. In fact, at Regeneron, we utilized every form of decentralized clinical trial apparatus and mechanism that we could to actually produce a, a, a treatment for COVID. And in doing so, we learned a lot. And I think there was a, you know, we just did it. We asked for forgiveness later. I think that is the type of spirit that we need to go forward. So we're just rounding out with the last two minutes. I heard the alarm bell instead of the thing that takes you off stage. Any last parting thoughts from anybody?
2: Yeah, just going back to the speech. Sometimes it's also important to take complex projects and divide it into smaller pieces and focus one piece at a time. And in at the end, it will be much faster than just trying to focus to make a big change at once.
3: We can do more together than we can apart. So collaborate with us. Join us in the digital data flow project.
0: And I'll be happy to make you a
3: T-shirt whip
0: for Regeneron. If you <laughs> apply, just come work for us and I'll make you
1: <laughs> Thanks, everyone.
0: We hope you enjoyed this podcast recording from the DFARM 2022 conference. For more information, please visit theconferenceforum.org.